think you're going to laugh. Like, if you enjoy this kind of humor, you're going to enjoy that particular video. Uh, it's going to be fun. Please come be a part of that. Tickets are $10. They are on sale now. So come and be a part of that. You can contact the office and say, hey, I'd like to reserve a spot and you can get the internet. So start that uh, tomorrow morning if you'd like. I put out a sign-up sheet. However you want to do that, matters not. Just contact the office or we put that sign-up sheet out. Please do that. Also, uh, be in prayer for the youth that you're ready to go out for uh, the end of the month winter camp. So what we're doing is we're reaching out to some of our associational churches. We've got such a large group going this year. We don't want to bring here for cars. So what we're doing is saying, hey, association, anyone have a plan? So uh, perhaps at the need in the future, they might have you to help you with that. So if you continue to do things like that. So uh, in the meantime, very, very, very good to see some of the ones joining us online this evening. We want to welcome you as well. I would ask you to consider being here in the sanctuary with us, being part of what God is doing. Well, to have you back in the I had a wonderful time this morning. Thank you for laughing with me, loving with me, uh, living with me a little bit. Um, somebody talked to me the other day and asked me, why do you laugh so much? Uh, well, number one, I'm happy. <laughs> uh, I'm happy. Why, why, why not be happy? I have a God who saved me. Amen? He forgave me. He saved me, gave me reason to live. On top of that, every blessing I've ever had has come directly from Him. Good news, touch. Thank you for that. <laughs> Everybody was with the presentation, but 
Justice Chapter 3, we find out a little bit about the background of Israel. Anyone know anything about the book of Judges? Judges is one of my favorite books. In fact, Hebrew, a particular word, judge, has a, a deep meaning. It's not judged like we think. Um, it's not judged as in always a judge at a bench, but judge as a leader. Judge as in military leader. A judge. Not just one who judges military matters, but also one who judges life from God. Let's take a look at our next slide and see where we can begin now. Let's focus in on verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil in sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. We see how this happened. We read through those first seven verses. Realized that they started intermarrying with the other families, didn't they? They started marrying the wives of the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, and any other ites that were there. They started marrying into it. Now, what happens when you start intermingling with the world? Yeah, the world will take you over, won't it? So, uh, that's what's happening inside of a picture of the Hebrew nation here. Remember, the Hebrew nation is a loose confederacy at this time. Gathered, gathered together by God. They are under what we call a theocracy. God is in charge. God is ruling this kingdom. However, they're no longer looking to God. They're now looking at the tribes around them. And we get the picture in Judges chapter 3 of what God has done. Hey, I've left these nations here to test you. I've left these nations here to find out what you're going to do. And so it brings up something for us to learn from tonight. Number one, are we ready for this? Number one, sometimes things are in our lives find out how loyal we are to God. Some of us may disagree with that. Say, no way. Well, let me tell you something. God doesn't tempt us, but God does test us. God does test us. And He does test us sometimes. Can you think in your life about how many times God has tested you? Some of us are Christians for 50, 60 years. And I bet you we could testify tonight about some of the testing that God brought to us. I've been a Christian for a little over 30 years. And as I think about my life, I think about the testing God has put in my life. It doesn't prepare for me to be in there 50, 60 years. I think about those that are becoming Christians nowadays, and they come and share with me their problems. And I don't know if I can completely understand today's problematic issue. What do I mean by that? The temptations and the testings are completely different nowadays. Completely different. Kind of like nowadays, if you were to go back to high school, if you could magically change yourself back into a 17-year-old, you know the peer pressure and the temptation will be completely different than the ones you face. Some of you say, no, it would be exactly the same. It would be the same, but with a different pressure on it, a different meaning on it, a different taste on it. Yes, there's nothing new under the sun, but the pressure is different than we've ever faced before. Our children are going through this. And so if we take a look at Israel... Yes, they have some of the same temptations we did. Their temptations were to mingle with the world. It's different. Different. What do I mean by that? Our temptations are to accept the world, to let the world disseminate into us. And we become more worldly. That's what happened with Israel. They started intermarrying, they started intermingling, and the next thing you know, the Bible tells us they start worshiping their God. Why did that happen? Well, they start allowing families to intermingle. And when families intermingle, out of a sudden, certain things happen. Let me give you an example of that. Well, it's family tradition for us to go worship Baal every year. I know we worship at Jerusalem, and I know, you know, I'm, of course, I'm bringing way up ahead of that. I know we worship at Shiloh, and we go to the tabernacle to worship at Shiloh. But uh, 
I've been married to you for 10 years now, and it's only fair that we go once a year to my family's side of this church. Have you ever seen that before? Do you see that in the modern-day Christian? Of course you do. It's a little bit different out there nowadays. It is common now to run into somebody who's married to an Islamic person. Now, the Bible gives us warning about that, doesn't it? tells us not to be perfectly young. But we're running into it nowadays, and we see here inside the book of Judges where Israel actually grabs a hold of the things of the world, intermarried with it, allowed them to assimilate into their families, into their lives, and then, of course, they begin worshiping their God. Here's my point. When we make a place for idols, eventually we'll start worshiping their idols. If you allow that idol to exist inside of your family, your family will accept it as divine. You say, where do you get that at? Let me put it to you like this. No matter how odd and strange something is, given time it becomes normal. Given time it becomes normal. Let me give you an example. Right now, off the top of my head, I'm 49 years old. I have something that's still odd and strange happening to me. What is that? The hair in my ears is growing. Given time, though, it would be completely normal. Right now, it's aggravating the sun out of me. The wind blows, and I get that tickle in my ear, and I think I'm going to die. As odd as that may be, I'm teaching you to be fine. It becomes normal. Here in Kentucky, many years ago, they set fire to some of the coal mines on the Virginia border. The fire is still burning. How odd and strange that would be to us. Some people are moving right on top of this. What happens when we assimilate into the world? We end up taking their place because they're just normal. It's part of our life. It's part of our religion. It's part of who we are. Wrong. What makes us who we are is our belonging to God. God makes us who we are. Let's take a look at the next slide here. Back down to Judges, and I'm going to move quickly because I'm going to run out of time. The text of Judges gives no indication as to who wrote this book. However, Jewish Named the prophet Samuel to office, and the namesake of first prophet Samuel. Samuel was the last of the judges, Shelfatim. I promise to give you that key word there. Shelfatim, and he's the last of us, and he's one of the secular leaders who God raised up during this time period to rescue his people. You want to know what Samuel's famous for? What Samuel's famous for? Anointing of King David. Anointing of King David. What else is he famous for? Anybody else know? Praying for everybody. Uh, he also is the one who confront King Saul, isn't he? And he's famous for these things. I don't know about you, but I love that statement. What meaneth the bleeding of his sheep? I'll never forget that, right? I'll never forget that. He confronts King Saul, right? And that he also is the one who brings the bad news to King Saul via God, your authority, your kingdom, will be taken out of your hands and given to your nation, all right? So, judges, however, Set that back down with that famous judge there. However, the book of Judges set the scene. Judges cannot oversee merely legal matters, take force, not sense of the role. Their tasks often include military and administrative authority as well. Let's take a look at the next one. The recurring statement from the book of Judges is that in those days there was no king in Israel. In fact, you can read it, and I'm not going to go to each one for you. I'm going to give you the references though. Judges 17 6, Judges 18 1, Judges 19 1, Judges 21 25, just to name a few, there's no king in Israel. Point out a contrast between the events happening in the book and 
times it's right. Everyone here was right in their own eyes. There's no king in Israel. Everybody just did their own thing. Got to remember, Israel's supposed to be living under a theocracy where God is king. And so we get the ideas that make the book of Judges, though, that Israel wanted a king. We want to be like the nations that are around us. In fact, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? We want to be like the nations around us. That's why they're starting to intermarry. And the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the other ites, the other ites, and the other ites. That's why they're doing that. We want to be like those other nations. And so you start to see what's happening here in the book of Genesis. We didn't have a king. We weren't fashionable. We weren't cool. We weren't modern. We weren't acting like they were. And in those days, we had no king. And so we begin to see then, here's the problem. Here's the problem that everyone's getting to right in their own eyes. Does everybody have their own view of what's right and wrong? Yeah, we do, don't we, to a degree? To a degree, we do. We all have our own moral system. And I often tell people, if you're convicted, don't let anyone destroy your convictions. I've said that from the pulpit. Don't let anyone take your convictions away. However, it's not fair for you to take your own personal convictions and put them on somebody else because you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't act like that. You can't be like that now. What do I mean by that? Let's just say that I'm convicted for wearing white shoes with a black suit. And I come to you and say, you can't wear that while standing down the street. Convict me, but it's a sin if you do it as well. Anyone start doing this right in your own eventually, of course, that's an extreme example of it, but eventually what happens then is, well, if I don't agree with you, I'll make my own version of right. I'll make my own version of wrong, and I'll do what's right for you. I'll do what's right for me. To me, that sounds just like the year 2024. In fact, we have our young people walking around now with t-shirts that say, only God can judge. Have you seen this? In fact, last week it was so cold, I saw a teenager actually pulled his pants up. Y'all. True. True. But nowadays, everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. Churches are doing what's right in their own eyes. They've left the Bible, they left the God of the Bible, and they've got hold of the culture. And they're doing what's right in their own eyes. They're intermarrying with the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Gergesites, the other ice, the ice, the ice, the ice. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. And they're saying, this is what Israel did. Hey, we don't have a king. We don't have a king. In fact, if you were with me in the nursing home the other day, we did the, the three stages of backsliding. If you look inside of the book of Acts, chapter 7, if you look at Stephen's sermon there, he actually gives that picture of the three stages of backsliding. When the world looks out and says, well, the Christians look out and say, hey, what is this Moses that went up there? We don't know what became of him. That's what we do with Jesus. What is the Jesus who saved me? He's not talking to me. He's not with me. I don't know what he's doing here. What's become of him? So let's make a cast and let's call it down. And start doing what's right in your own eyes. And so you get a picture here of the same Jews doing the same Hebrews in the Bible. Let's do what's right in our own eyes. Let's look at our next slide. Israel was drowning in sin. In fact, it's a cesspool of immorality. You read through the book of Judges, some of the most heinous happenings in Hebrew history in the book of Judges. Israel was drowning in sin, experiencing the anger of God. In the midst of their distress, they cried to the Lord to faithfully answer their cries with delivered words, some places, so to speak, to lead the people back to their pastures. Three of Israel's judges are mentioned in chapter 3. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Three of Israel's judges mentioned in this chapter, and we'll learn from these men. And hopefully, my prayer is 
the appropriate application to our First one, hot meal. Judges chapter 3, verse 10. Number one, some of you might be saying, I have personal conviction I would never name a kid hot meal. I agree with you. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> While working in the prison, I met two strangely named people. Number one, I met an inmate by the name of Lucifer. I'm not talking nickname. Full first name, Lucifer. He was on Oprah Winfrey. You can find that out. Great comfort talked about him. Said, I interviewed Lucifer. He talked about that inmate. You know, the Department of Criminal Justice found that day. See that particular inmate. Make a long story short, Lucifer was causing it all in the area of Brotherhood. Third investigation. My job to interrogate him to find out what was happening there. I interviewed him. I intercepted his mail. I intercepted his outgoing mail. And I monitored his activities for Somebody has a Jezebel. What comes to your mind? She's a Jezebel. You do something not right. Well, you know what Jezebel means. Now, of course, we have that word Baal in it, but Baal, because it's not about the God of Israel. It's about uh, a generic name for God. So it's more of a, a, a different name there. But Jezebel means the altar of our Lord. Jesus' name of the altar of our Lord. However, we know that Jezebel, the queen, they had wife not quite live up to the name that way. Othniel, one of those names, I'm not going to bore you tonight with what it means, Othniel, one of those interesting and proper names, and I want to encourage you to look it up one day, find out it means something to God. Judges 3, verse 10, says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. So this is one of the first judges, one of the early judges here, and so he judges Israel, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Look now, here, he went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan and Mishnah Somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. The 
Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. God's Spirit moved him. He obeyed God's Spirit, and he became a judge. You know what happens when Christians obey God's Spirit? We find ourselves in God's will. We find ourselves doing godly things. We find ourselves delivering God's people. That's what God's judges do. That's what God's people do. We lead people from sin. We counsel people out of sin. We love people in sin. And we obey the Spirit of the Lord. To be again of our sin. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war. Can't really even know why he goes out to war. All we know is that God's Spirit comes upon him, and so God's Spirit leads him. He goes out to war, and the Lord delivered his God with the king of Mesopotamia into his hand. Who delivered that king into Othniel's hand? God did. Not the ability of Othniel, not the goodness of Othniel, not the holiness of Othniel, but God did. Why? Because Othniel was simply obedient. Look at the beginning of verse 10. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. I love Othniel. We don't know much about him. We don't know what color his hair is. We don't know if he's tall, skinny, fat. We don't know if he's got brown eyes or green eyes. What we do know, though, is he obeyed the Lord. And I believe right now God is still looking for people who are ready to obey the Lord. I believe that God is still looking for Othniel. I believe that God is still looking for people who will go out and seek and save that which is lost and deliver them from Richard Kayam, king of Mesopotamia. Are you somebody who will give when God says go? Are you somebody who will obey when God says come? Are you somebody like Othniel who obeys? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered his God, Richard Kayam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. The Bible tells us his hands failed over his son. Without God, he would have lost. Without God, he would have lost. So let's take a look at our first judge tonight. First judge gives us a characteristic that we need to learn from. Number one, when God's Spirit moves, we should obey. Say amen. When God's Spirit sends us, we should go. When God says do it, we should do it. So let's talk a little bit about what God told us to do. We talk a lot about praying. We talk a little about, hey, we need to discern God's will. There are some things we don't need to discern God's will about because God has already told us to do them. Yeah, what is that, Pastor? Go ye therefore in all nations. That's right. Witness to them. Not just pray for them. Don't just pat them on the back and say, that is you need to do. Walk on. God, forgive me. I have once or twice in my life. Never reach out to God bless your love, buddy.
is our heavenly Weapons of 
mighty and pull you down from strongholds. You want to be free? Let God pull you down. You're afraid of the mess. I don't know about you, but I was. For years. Oh God, if you pull down the stronghold, there's going to be bricks, there's going to be rubble, there's going to be stuff everywhere in my life. Let me tell you something about God. Are you ready? This may surprise you. God is not afraid to get his hands dirty. So how do you know that, Pastor? Go back with me to the book of Genesis. If you're online, go back with me to the book of Genesis. My Bible says God reaches down into the dust of the earth and forms mankind. He's not afraid to have dirty hands. And he's not afraid to put his hands on somebody with a stronghold in their life. God's not afraid to get down into the nitty-gritty where you're living. In your heart. And you got Oh, my goodness. The church can't know this. Are we really not want to know? I'll tell you one thing. God, his weapons are mighty to pull down strongholds. You know what the reference to? Warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God's truth. That's all. We don't have time to go over your spiritual weapons, but I want to remind you, he has them. He has spiritual weapons. Number one, he has the Word of God. That is our only physical weapon with which we make with. It is a sword. It is a double-edged sword. It cuts up and it cuts down. So be careful when you swing it, because it will cut you off. And what's the good thing? We also have armor to put on, defensive weapons, if you will, helmets and breastplates and belts and boots and shields. We'll talk about those some other time about getting the armor of God. Take a look at our next slide. Casting down arguments and every high thing that is the Spirit of God, the weapons of God. Cast down the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. Well, it might be more important than free to ask what you need to hear. God's weapons are mighty and pulling down strongholds. Also, casting down arguments. You ever talk yourself out of hearing God's will? Moses did what God did. That's how well that worked for Moses. He even got to the point where he said, I'm, I'm too old. I can't speak well enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. I need this. I need that. I think it's amazing. And God said, all you need is me. All you need is God. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. You want to see God work? You want to see God bring revival in you and your family? You want to see God bring revival in your church? Start being obedient. Start going out seeking the thing of the law. Go back to doing God's will. And when you start doing that, look at verse 6 again. When your obedience is fulfilled, we're going to see God punish you. How does that happen? It's amazing to me. Somebody who is a stagnant Christian, this is amazing. God's pastor 30 years. This is an amazing feat for us. If we will get around, if you will get around, oh, 
obedient Christians, those Christians that go out, those Christians that witness, those Christians that testify, and somebody says, I don't go, and they get convicted when they see it happening, when they see people coming into church, when they see people getting saved, and all of a sudden they get convicted. You know what that is, but God punishes those who do love. And they start joining in, and you start seeing God working in the church, and all of a sudden the church is more obedient than the Bible says. It didn't come to a special preacher. A night of entertainment and laughter came. Simple obedience by Papa. Let's take a look at the next slide. We don't roll according to the flag, which we're not supposed to, but we all do, don't we? We all do. We use our flesh as our weapon sometimes. We don't need to use our flesh as a weapon. We're supposed to do the Word of God. Next slide, please. Look at our next guy. Hood. Hood, yeah. Left handed man. Ehud. Judges 3, verses 15 and 19. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Now, we need to learn a little about these dudes. And God waited for them to cry out. Sometimes God waited for you to say, Lord, I can't do this. Remember, we're not supposed to fight in the flesh. I need you to deliver me. And I want you to know something else about this dude. That hood is not the most desirable leader. And number one, he's left-handed. Consider it a little backwards, a little upwards. Yeah. A hood, left-handed man. He's the son of Jerah, the Benjamite. Oh, that's a good man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. So we went now to Mesopotamia. Now we're in the Moab. Look at me in verse 16. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubic in length. It's not 18 inches long. And he fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. He's a cross holy of God. He pulled it. He brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read that yourself. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> now Eglon was a very fat man. Very fat man. He had a personal weakness for Verse 18, when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute, but he himself turned back and his stone images down. This is what they're doing here. They're getting ready to worship And the hood is there. And the Bible tells in verse 19, but he himself turned back the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, Hey, King Eglon, I have a secret message for you. And that's what the king says, Hey, don't tell anybody. Don't say what everybody hears. Keep silence. And all who attended him went out with him. Let's find out what happens here. Next slide. Turn from the idols and deliver God's message to the king. And that's our second point tonight. Not only do we need to rely on God's spirit, not only do we need to obey God's spirit, we need to do what the hood did. The hood turned from idols and delivered God's message even to the king. Sometimes we've got to deliver God's message to presidents, to senators, to congressmen, to state representatives, to constables, to sheriffs, to police departments, to firemen. Sometimes we've got to remind people that they too are under the authority of God Almighty. We need to pass by temptation like the hood did. We need to pass by temptation to sin. And we need to be used in God's message. And that's a picture we can learn from Judges 3 here. Not only do we obey God's spirit when it calls upon us, but when the temptation comes to worship another God or to sin, walk right by Turn away. If I ain't going to Gilgal, I'm going to the king. Let's take a look at the next slide. And Hood had the sword he needed to kill the king. So do you. He 
you've got some swords. Judges 3.21, and the hood reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right side, and thrust it into his belly. How many of y'all know the rest of the story? He thrust it in pretty deep, that one. Goes in so deep. Look at the next slide. And I will give you the weapons you need to fight his battle. He gave the hood the ability to do so, and I will give you the ability to do so. Some of the things you're going through right now are preparation for what God has to do in the future. You think right now it's tough? Somebody once told me the same hot water that makes all the skin is the same hot water that makes you boil over. The same hot water that makes heat. The same hot water that makes the potato soft. Think about that for a second. God is preparing you some way, somehow. You might say, I'm in the same boat as this person is. You may not be what that person is. You may not be a boy. You may not be a potato. Gives you the weapon you need to fight his battle. Look at me in Ephesians 6 17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God gives you everything you need to win the victory. Running out of time again, folks, so we can get to that third one. Next one, hey, Ephesians 4 12. Again, describing the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and a joint marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word knows what you're thinking. God's word speaks to your heart, speaks to your intent, speaks to your desire, and convicts God when you're right. Let's take a look at that. Judges 3, 26 to 30. Okay, let's take a look at this right here. Some of the story you see. But the hood had escaped by the delay and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syria. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. So not only did he kill the king, he now leads children of Ephraim into battle against Moab. So interesting right there. Hood calls deliverance Israel. He too obeys God's spirit. God gives him the weapons to deliver them. Apparently, this king was terrifying to Israel. And they needed to see that he could be toppled, that he could be killed, that he wasn't some sort of mystifying force. He was just a man like the rest of us, and a hood took care of him quickly. Let's take a look at the next. He said to them, Follow me, for the Lord delivered your enemies, the Moabites, in your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan, leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they put about 10,000 men of Moab. That's a lot of cutting with swords, y'all. 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor, not a man stood. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for how many years? That is a long time when you let God do it, God's way, with God's way. Eighty years. You know, we think about biblical numerology, that's a good smile. Be faithful to bring peace to those around you, like a good gift. Be faithful to God. They brought peace to all of Israel around you. Deliver them from Moab. Remember Othniel? He was faithful. Remember the hood? He was faithful. And you're faithful to bring peace to those around you. Let's look at the last one here. Judges 3.31. After him was this one, this guy right here. Shamgar. That's another one of those names you're like. That sounds like it could be in the Sunday comics, doesn't it? Shamgar, son of Anak, who killed 600 men with the Philistines with an ox bow. And he also did it with his What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Ox meal? 
to invite you to the Lord to your house. So we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and that's who you use. God bless you all. Have a great evening and submit.